Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Odds Maker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! Hi, everybody. Welcome back once again. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're all set to go against the spread, March Madness style, on our special edition podcast show today. And with that, I want to welcome in our co-host, Victor King from King Creole Sports. And also joining us from the onset will be our good friend, Andy Isco, joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Guys, I hope you're ready for March Madness. And Victor, I know you are because you put a lot of work into that playbook March Madness Tournament Guide. Right you are, Mark. You know, um, uh, we're off another winner last night in the NBA. We want to thank all who joined us as we are hitting those NBA totals at over 60% on the season. Last night, it was the non-conference game between the Nuggets and the Toronto Raptors. We were on the over in that particular game. Again, brought home the bacon in pro basketball. But as Mark mentioned, today's podcast is all about college basketball. And if there are some bags under my eyes, and particularly (laughs) under Mark's eyes, it's because we have been spending every available hour over the last seven days working on this baby that just came out last night. That's the Playbook March Madness Newsletter, 18 pages, required reading so you're going to definitely want to get on board of this week's March Madness newsletter. It's the best $29 you are ever going to spend in the tournament, that's for sure. Well, Victor, I appreciate all your hard work and your effort in that magazine, or that I should say that newsletter as well. We did send a copy to our good friend Andy Isco in Las Vegas as Andy joins us from the top of the show. Andy, how's everything going for you in Vegas? And I'm sure it's March Madness crazy time right now. Well, Mark, exactly it is, and much like you and Victor, I've been spending about the last uh, 48 to 72 hours poring over first the matchups and the seedings, and then all the information that I've been keeping and uh, augmented by your outstanding publication, which I would highly recommend. There's a lot of information that, A, you'll find there that you can't find elsewhere, and information that you'll find there that say, I wish I had, but I don't know where to look. Well, now you do, because there's a lot of information, whether you like uh, situations or trends, or if you're like me, I mean, I like them as well, but I also enjoy getting the stats, and you present those stats for every team, uh, and I use a lot of those stats in, in drawing up my uh, my bracket model. So a lot of information there, and uh, I've been spending, I guess, about the last 16 hours pouring over uh, that information as well, and uh, hopefully I'm set. I've got a number of futures and in fact one of the problems and i think i talked about it before was when you make futures bets prior to the announcement of the field you sometimes have the bad fortune as i did this year with a lot of the teams i've got the futures bets on in the same region including uh, the good news is i'm guaranteed to have at least one team uh make it into the second round because providence and kentucky are two of my futures and they open the tournament against one another uh, that's the head-to-head stuff, Andy, that is out of our hands, unfortunately. But as a fan, you know you got a pretty good basketball game, and that indeed, Andy, just happens to be our featured 
game of the week that Victor and I are going to tear apart in just a minute or so here on this first weekend's card playing on Friday, that big matchup between the Friars and the Wildcats. And with that, it's time right now. It's hoops time, and we're going to turn it over to Victor King. And, Victor, I want to ask you this. When the pairings were made, what was your initial reaction to perhaps maybe some teams that either got into the tournament that maybe should not have or maybe perhaps received a higher seed than you thought they would? Any of your first observations on your initial hearing of what you saw on Selection Sunday? Yeah, Mark, it is a good question. And right off the bat, uh, for me at least, I see two teams I think were overseeded and two that perhaps were underseeded. We'll see if uh, A, you and Andy agree, and B, if our uh, podcast listeners agree. But number one, in terms of uh, overseeded, I would submit to you the Wildcats of Kansas State as a number three seed in the East region. Now, here's a team that benefited from that great home record for the Wildcats, 16-1 and one on the season, but they still only went 7-9 and nine away or neutral sites this year. They were also very, very lucky in the close games and overtime as they went 6-2 and two ATS. They're, I think the Wildcats are a one-trick pony on offense. Their Ken Palm rating is only uh, number 52 in the country on offense. I do not see that as deserving of a number three seed. I would also submit to you that another team that perhaps got overseeded are our boys down here in South Florida, Mark. And that's the uh, Hurricanes, number five in the East region. You know, our Canes, they got a little bit of a boost because they tied for first for the ACC title. I understand that at 15 and five straight up. But don't forget, this was a down year for the ACC. Even the Mountain West Conference was rated higher than that traditionally strong ACC conference. Again, according to the Ken Palm ratings. And the fact that the number five seed Miami Hurricanes is favored by less than three points against number 12 seed Drake. That short line should basically tell you all you need to know when it comes to overseeding. And then uh, Mark and Andy, the two underseeded teams, I think perhaps did not get the respect that they deserve. Number one, Connecticut Huskies. Number four in the West region. You know, at one point early in the year, the Huskies were talked about as one of the best teams in the country. They started out 14-0, and for God's sake. I know they struggled early in Big East Conference play, but they closed out the year 8-1 and in their last uh, nine conference games. They narrowly lost to Marquette in the Big East Championship. I think they should have been at least a number three seed. And finally, a team you talked about a couple of podcasts ago, Mark, uh, Creighton, the Blue Jays, one of the more underrated teams in the entire uh, country, if you ask me, based on their non-conference schedule as well. Uh, another team that started off great, they went 6-0 and to start the season on their non-conference portion of their schedule. Yes, they did have that six-game losing streak when their best player was out. And, of course, that would be uh, Ryan uh, Kalkbrenner. But they closed the year 15-4 and four, straight up in their last 19 regular season games. I think the Blue Jays are an incredibly efficient team that's been very effective in just about every type of offensive set. So there you have it for me. Overseeded teams, Kansas State and Miami of Florida. Underseeded teams, Connecticut and Creighton. Right back to you guys. 
Well, before I turn it back over to Andy, uh, I just want to say this, Victor, about two teams you mentioned here. Miami of Florida right now, the number being a little bit short, they do have a starter out in this game, and that could well be playing into the line right now as we're talking. In fact, he missed the, the, the game that Duke beat them in the ACC tournament, and that was a big loss that they had. So we'll see whether or not he comes back for Miami of Florida. And as far as Creighton is concerned, remember, they were a preseason top 10 ranked basketball team. A lot was expected from that team. They brought four starters back from a really good team last year, and they rather really underperformed, if you will, up until they went into the stretch mode down the run here, down the down the stretch, I should say. So uh, we'll see exactly what happens with them. I think they've got their hands full in their first basketball game here as well. Andy, your observation, who you think may have been either under or overseeded on this initial seeding in this year's tournament? Well, I also agree. Kansas State, I thought, was seated way too high with a uh, uh, number three seed. And I think that Victor touched upon the fact that they were outstanding at home, not very good on the road. And I take a look uh, when I'm handicapping the tournament. I like to see how teams perform on both road and neutral services or just away from home, because that's a key element, uh, you know, if you're like Alabama, you're playing one of your games at Birmingham, that's almost like a, it's almost like a true home game. And I effectively, I, I treat them as that. But if you're playing uh, uh, in a city there, let's say several hours away at the very least, uh, I would consider that a, a, a neutral site game. So I thought Kansas State was um, one of the teams that was uh, uh, seated a little too highly. And I could actually make a case at the top of the bracket uh I could have made a case that you could have given Texas a number one seed, and I think you could argue that they could have deserved it, if not over Kansas, certainly over Purdue. The way Purdue played over the second half of the season, a lot of close calls, a lot of failure uh, to uh, cover point spreads against what I consider was a rather decent but relative to recent years, relative mediocre Big Ten conference. And when I take a look at Texas and Kansas, uh, Texas uh, in the the Big 12 championship at the end of the regular season had a pair of double-digit wins over the Longhorns. And remember, they went through that coaching change. Uh, Terry took over for uh, Beard when he was uh, sort of uh, uh, eased out of the program following the allegations, uh, the assault allegations that ultimately resulted in no charges. And he's now going to be coaching at... uh, uh, at Ole Miss next year. Uh, but I could have made a case that Texas was playing as well as anybody in the country, especially when you consider the coaching change. And I think under Terry, I think there's something like 19 and seven. So they actually perform very well when you end up making an in-season change. So I could have really cer- certainly made the case for uh, can- for uh, Texas to have been favored over Purdue or Kansas. I probably would have eliminated Purdue and put Texas in there as maybe the number three seed and Kansas the uh, uh, the number four seed. As far as teams that uh, I think could have been seeded a little bit higher, I thought that uh, uh, Providence, who I just mentioned earlier, is going to be taking on Kentucky. I thought that they deserved better than um, uh, their seed. I think they are, what, an 11 or a 12, I believe, against Kentucky, who I think is a number five. Uh, I thought uh, their overall body of work, they they did lose some bad games over the latter part of the season, but they also won some very nice road games, had that nice stretch in uh, from about uh, early January through uh, mid to late February. I thought that they could have been seated uh, a little bit higher. And another team that I think they barely made the field, but the way they played down the stretch, their ability to win close games, I thought Penn State might have been seated a little higher uh, than they were. Although I'd rather be seated number 10 in a bracket as Penn State is than an eight or a nine, because the eight or the nine winner 
with the exception of uh, Virginia a few years ago, is going to face the number one seed in that region in their second game. So I think even though the number 10 team uh, uh, does not have that same luxury in the um, second round of the tournament, eight or nine uh, certainly uh, has its work cut out for it. So maybe Penn State actually benefited by being seated where they are. We're visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas and Victor King from King Creel Sports as we're setting the table for March Madness tipping off this weekend. It actually tipped off Tuesday in the first four basketball round, if you will, of this tournament here and will officially begin on Thursday. One of my quick observation looks, guys, here before we switch gears and move over to our basketball game of the week inside this tournament here is I was taking a look at we talked before about when the NCAA did their reveal, their once-a-year reveal of the seedings that they put out once a year. And uh, it just so happens I did a little little bit of a back check on what they posted this year. And it is now, since they've done this in 2017, the NCAA has, 80 of the 96 teams that they've revealed on the first such preview have made it to the top 16, including 15 out of 16 last year and 15 out of 16 this year. So you, next year it comes about, you better pay attention here because these seeds almost always carry through to fruition here. The, all four of the number one seeds that they revealed three weeks ago happen to all be the number one seeds in this tournament, Alabama, Houston, Kansas, and Purdue. The number two seeds... They got three of those correct, Texas, Arizona, and UCLA. They missed out on Baylor. And then the number three, four seeds, they only had one each in each category. Kansas State, they had as a three seed. They made the three seed, although Andy Isco does not agree. And the number four seed, the only one that made the, made their fit would be the Indiana Hoosiers. Xavier, Gonzaga, and Marquette did not. And inside this year's conference, uh, I want to say this inside this from the conferences, we talked about who brought what to the dance. Well, the Big Ten led everybody along with the SEC with eight teams in this year's March Madness Tournament, followed by the Big 12 with seven. The ACC in the Big East were next with five, and the Pac-12 and the Mountain West rounded it out with four, if you will. And one other quick note, I'm going to share this with you guys because it's inside this edition of our Playbook March Madness Tournament, and you wonder how the NCAA got to where they did with all these seedings. And it basically, in truth, comes from their net rankings. And they live and die by their net rankings here. They replace the old RPI rankings, if you will. And uh, we listed in our playbook preview guide here uh, the teams that were the top 36 teams from the net rankings and how they shook out. According to the NCAA, from the March Madness Tournament Guide, the number one net ranked team was the Houston Cougars. They were 7-2 and two in quad one games and 8-0 and oh in quad two games. Number two team was Alabama. Number three, UCLA. The tournament committee had them higher, I think, than most people probably did. At least the net rankings did, I should say, anyhow. Number four team was Tennessee, followed by Purdue coming in at number five. It was Gonzaga at number six. Texas at number seven. UConn, number eight. Kansas, number nine. And Arizona at number ten. Like I say, check them all out inside the Playbook March Madness Tournament Guide what those official net rankings happen to be. With that, we're going to turn it over now to Victor King. Myself, we're going to take a look at our college basketball game of the week. It goes Friday on the opening round of the NCAA Tournament Card. We previewed it earlier. It's a dandy of a matchup when Providence takes on Kentucky, the Friars and the Wildcats. Victor, how do you see these two basketball teams shaking out on Friday? 
Right you are, Mark. Uh, Friday, 7, 10 Eastern time, 4, 10 Pacific time. Obviously, it's a Friday night time slot that's uh, indicative of uh, a big time TV viewership. And this should be one of the highest rated television games uh, of the entire first round. The Kentucky Wildcats against Providence Friars. Number six, Kentucky, taking on number 11, Providence. Kentucky opened up, uh, oh, around a three and a half point favorite. I'm seeing there around four as we record the podcast. And the over underline opened at 145 and a half. It's gone down a full point to around 144 and a half with uh, a little bit of early action on the under in this particular game. A game featuring a couple of pretty good over teams on the season. Kentucky went to 20 and 12 over under on the season, 75.1 points per game on offense. Uh, very sparkling offense for Kentucky. They don't do it via the three-point line. They do it pretty much via the interior. Uh, they allowed 68.0 points per game for an average of 143.1. That is for Kentucky. Uh, Providence Friars on the season 18 and 14 over under. Like their counterparts, a very good offense, 78.1. And also like their counterparts, a defense that tends to get up some points as well, 71.3 on the season. So your Providence games have averaged 149.4 combined again on the year. In terms of recent trends, since late January, Kentucky's last 12 games, nine overs, only three unders. They've also gone 67% over the total on the road this season for Providence uh, since mid-February six of their last seven games have gone over the total they ended up going seven and five over under on the season uh, both teams of course had similar records from a straight up perspective Kentucky went over by nine points in their SEC tournament loss against Vanderbilt uh, and despite only shooting 42 percent again that game did go over the total by nine points uh, Providence went under in their lone Big East game in which they lost to UConn. Uh, both teams, of course, went one and done in their respective conference tournaments. you got veteran coaches, obviously, in Calipari and Ed Cooley for Providence. Uh, Kentucky's top five scorers are all seniors. That's a good time for us over betters and... Uh, that's a good sign as well. And, yes, we are going to be looking to go over in this particular game. In fact, Mark and Eddie, it's the only first-round game in the NCAA tournament in which both offenses are rated in the top 16 in the country. Again, according to the Ken Palm rankings, Kentucky number 14, Providence number 16. Uh, both offenses rely on offensive rebounds to generate their points. Wildcats tied for first in offensive rebounds per game, while the Friars also rank in the top 25 with an average of 10.5 offensive boards per game. And like I just touched on, both teams also sport uh, below average defenses. Kentucky foes have averaged 74 or more points per game in four of Kentucky's last five games, back-to-back -back totals in which they've allowed 79 or more. Uh, Providence, on the flip side, has allowed at least 72 or more points in each of their last eight games. 
With everything said, we'll take a look at over 144 and a half points in this SEC versus Big East battle, Kentucky versus Providence. Victor likes this matchup of two top 16 Ken Palm offenses going toe-to-toe in this showdown game on Friday. Taking a look at the side of this basketball contest here, first of all, the Providence Friars, they got out there this great start this season here. They were 14-3 and right out of the gate. They stumbled down the stretch over, largely when they went into conference play. That's a pretty tough conference that they have to come out of, and they met with some tough times, if you will. They were only 7-8 and eight down the stretch. This is a team that made the Sweet 16 last year. I love Ed Cooley as a head coach here. He, to me, he represents everything about college basketball head coaches and gets the best out of his players. He is a long-term in his career as an underdog, 104, 74, and four against the spread. Do the math, guys. That's nearly 200 plays. And you see the outstanding dog log record that he has, 19 and seven of late the last 26 times he's been an underdog. Here come the Kentucky Wildcats, John Calipari's what used to be young kids, but then all of a sudden seniors are playing in this team suddenly here. He's had to shake things up here a little bit. They were the number four ranked team in the nation in the AP preseason poll this year. So obviously they didn't live up to expectations. They slipped down here, if you will, to the seeding in this in the tournament where they are right now. In fact, only two of the top 20 teams in the AP preseason poll failed to make the tournament. Those two teams were the number one ranked team in the preseason poll, North Carolina, who opted not to go into the NIT. I think they felt a little bit red-faced embarrassed. And number 16, Villanova, was also a top 20 ranked, top 10 ranked team, and they did not make the tournament as well. And for what it's worth, Alabama was the number 20 ranked team in the AP preseason top 10 poll. I'm looking at the Kentucky Wildcats here, and I remember they were bounced last year in the first round by St. Peter's, terribly embarrassed in the first round. Can they bounce back and save face this year? I don't think so. I think it's all about the talent, and I think Providence has got as much talent, at least from a starting five aspect, as does Kentucky. They had nine wins only two years ago, did the Kentucky Wildcats, and the thing that gets me here also is the last seven times they played games outside of the SEC conference, they've lost the money seven out of seven times. I'm going to play Providence plus the points in this game. I see this game coming down to who scores last, and with that, the dog becomes the play in this contest for me. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. Now we're going to slide back out to Las Vegas and visit once again with our good friend Andy Isco. Before I do that, go guys, I want to let you know that I filled out my NCAA tournament bracket, if you will. It's available at CBS Sports, part of their bracket challenge. You'll find my bracket under the password and the username of Home Dog. All one word, home dog. If you want to see who I used in the NCAA basketball tournament, check it out at CBS Sports, part of their bracket challenge contest. And speaking of which penciling teams in brackets, and brackets are really, really difficult, obviously, to do that. What's the odds? I think I read one in 9.2 quintillion to fill out a perfect ticket. It's, <laughs> it's not going to happen in our life. I got to check out that chat box, though, that new. Uh, that new AI chat box to see what they might have to say about that, uh, those odds. But nonetheless, practically next to impossible. There are, however, in the Playbook March Madness newsletter here, we have a feature we call the Elite Eight Team. There are the Elite Eight uh, checkoff systems. And if you follow these checkoff systems that are in the Playbook March Madness Tournament Guide, these Elite Eight 
angles that you want to look at here. If anybody qualifies under these angles, they've won the tournament 19 of the last 20 years. There were six qualifying teams that meet the criteria this year, all six of them. This tournament's really rather wide open. That's why we find six of them. But check it out to see who these six teams are that figure to keep that 19 out of 20 year stretch alive. And with that, we're going to visit once again with Andy Isco joining us again from Las Vegas. I'd like to have Andy on the show as he did from the beginning this time. And Andy, we talked about the brackets being released right now. And we talked earlier on the show about how you felt the committee did with seating high and seating low and all that. I got to run one thing by you here, Andy. This is an interesting note that I came across that there's never been a number five seed that has won the NCAA basketball tournament. So what do you do? If Andy Isco happened to like the Duke Blue Devils going into this tournament here and they landed in as a number five seed, do you go out and pluck your money down on Duke and live with your conviction? Or do you go against the tide, say, maybe I better stay home with this number five seed hanging over Duke's head here? What's your take on that theory, Andy? Well, I did a little study. I, I go back to the 1985 tournament where seeding first began with a 64-team field, and then they – added some more teams along the way. Um, and I further go down just the last 10 tournaments, which of course would be starting in from 2012 to 2022. Of course, there was no tournament in 2020 due to COVID. And I'm looking at the number of times that conferences have won the national title in the last uh, 10 tournaments. ACC has three wins. Also the Big East. Uh, the American Athletic has one win. The Big 12 has two and the SEC has won. And in fact, uh, looking at my numbers here, there are only eight, nine conferences that have sent teams to the Final Four. Now, the fact that a number five seed has never won uh, is not a reason for me to avoid Duke if I think that they've got a realistic chance. And you're looking for pedigree teams with a lot of talent that have played well down the stretch, and that certainly comes to mind when you're talking about Duke. And we've seen in the past teams uh, that have that kind of pedigree. I think the most recent one was the number seven when Connecticut won. They really didn't start their damage until the start of the Big East uh, tournament. They swept through, I think it was five games at that time, and then won six games to win the NCAA title. Well, Duke started his charge a little bit late this season. And right now I've seen them at odds of 30 to one. And again, when I do my futures wagering, I'm also looking towards having the possibility of hedging, meaning that at some point I'll play against them so that I can show a nice little profit should they lose. And if they should win that game, I'm still getting instead of 30 to one, I might be getting something like 22 to one or something. So the fact that a five seed has never won um, would not discourage me from playing Duke. And in fact, I did play Duke as one of my uh, futures. Uh, just like we said, we'd never see in our lifetime a number one lose to a number 16. That finally happened. A, a few years ago. That doesn't mean you should expect it to happen at any time or certainly again, but just the fact that, again, seeding is an inexact science, and Duke could just have easily been seeded a number four team uh, if you want to take into account uh, their one run through the ACC tournament. We're visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas, and Victor, let me ask you about NCAA tournament futures. Uh, people would want to probably load up on the number one overall seed, Alabama, maybe the other number one seeds that are coming in Houston, Kansas uh, as well, maybe possibly Purdue. What do you see, Victor, perceived to be a value play as far as a futures bet goes on this year's NCAA tournament? 
You know, Mark, uh, it's fashionable these days for people to obviously select a number 12 seed against a number five seed uh, and the upset in that situation. And I think there's uh, easily two of those number 12 seeds and perhaps even more that could pull off an upset against that number five seed. But the team I want to talk about for just a minute is something that jumped out of me when I was reading the March Madness newsletter last night. And it's the fact that, uh, you know, number 11 seeds actually have had a winning record in the first round since 2010, including three and one last year. However, the easy upsets to pick, what about the teams seeded even lower? And I'm going to throw out a team there that is uh, actually my, my alma mater, and that's the Kent State golden flashes i don't know if they can win that first round game but i'm definitely grabbing the points in that particular one you know one of my favorite aspects of our march madness tournament guide mark is this great page two chart here where we list every single team in division one play their straight up record their ats record and what's the most revealing aspect is their straight up an ats record against fellow tournament teams there was only one team in NCAA that went a perfect 4-0 ATS against fellow tournament teams. And they only went 1-3 straight up, but they went 4-0 ATS, and that was the Kent State Golden Flashes. There you go. They hung with those teams in the uh, early portion of their schedule. Uh, they almost beat Gonzaga outright, uh, the Golden Flashes. So that's a team I just I want to talk about that. I think he's got a great shot at a first-round upset, a good shot at perhaps making it to the weekend, and I'll definitely be grabbing the points with my alma mater, the Golden Flashes. Go Flashes, Victor King, an alum from Kent State. He'll be on them this weekend. You can count on that. You mentioned Victor also, and I was going to say this, and I'm glad you brought that up, that uh, the t number five and the number 12 seeds, it's so very, very popular in this tournament because of the upsets the number 12 teams have pulled of late. And in fact, uh, just before the show, I did a little bit of a rundown. And if you go back uh, since 2000 uh, in these matchups here, the number five seeds are, or I should say the number 12 seeds are 35 and 53 straight up. That's pretty respectable for a number 12 seed against a number five seed. But more importantly, they are 50, 35 and three against the spread are the number 12 seeds against the number fives. That's going back to 2000. But there may be the making of six seed against the 11 seed, the six is now the new five and the 11 is now the new 12, six and 11 seeds, because as Victor mentioned, the six seeds have been struggling against these 11 seeds here. And in fact, since 2000, the number six seeds are 39 and 49 straight up. That's an even more impressive number uh, against these uh, higher seeded number six seeds. And to the number, to the spread, they're 49 and 39 to the spread. So keep an eye, as Victor mentioned out, on these number 11 seeds against the number six seeds. And Andy, before we let you go, you got any words of wisdom you might want to pass by our listeners here of any other thoughts you have on this weekend's tournament, something that maybe we didn't hit on that perhaps obviously you think maybe deserves a mention. A couple of things, Mark. I'll follow up your uh, recency. I went back, you went back to 2000. I went back to 2012, the last 10 tournaments. Uh, the number 12 seed is 17 and 23 straight up just in the last 10 tournaments. The 11 seed against the uh, 6 seed is 21 and 19 Ooh, and wow. the, number, the number 10 seed is uh, 
15 and 24. And uh, the reason there's only 39 occurrences is because uh, uh, VCU had to miss the tournament in 2021. I think it was against uh, Oregon, where Oregon advanced because of the COVID situation. So we don't have 40 uh, occurrences in the last 10 years of uh, that one. Now, I was going to mention something earlier when you were talking about um, the uh, uh, teams that I thought may have been overseeded because uh, I'm going to use one of those uh, in a game that uh, I've played on, um, I think it's a Friday game, and that's uh, San Diego State out of the Mountain West. Uh, I know how highly the conference rates as far as the numbers go because of their outstanding record uh, against a lot of weak teams in non-conference or pre-conference play. They're going up against the College of Charleston. That's 31-3 and three, uh, out of the uh, Colonial Conference, which – is have been in many years it's been on a par with like the Atlantic 10 for example uh, who I consider one of the high mid majors and this Charleston team has played extremely well uh, throughout uh, the course of the uh, the season their record attests to that they've obviously done well on the road and they're getting points against San Diego State I don't think we're going to need those points and I actually took a flyer on Charleston to win uh, the uh, I think it's the South Regional something like a hundred to one to win it because I think their path does present some challenges as you would expect a team that's 100 to 1 but I like teams that have known the ability have shown the ability to win I guess you could say another team along those lines is Florida Atlantic but I think that Charleston plays in the tougher conference and again I think San Diego State which I was saving for this part of the show is one of the teams also that I would have put in that said I thought was seated a bit too high at number 5. Good observation Andy you mentioned uh, Charleston you'll like my tournament bracket by the way because I too like you see them capturing this regional. Uh, I really, really like this basketball team. In fact, I think they, they make threes like layups, this basketball team does. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I, I think there's a lot of mention there. And also, the Mountain West Conference has really struggled in this tournament era. I don't know what it is or, you know, why they don't step up or why they don't play. But uh, you got a team here in Charleston that's really, really excited about being here in this tournament here. So I'm on the same wavelength with Andy as far as that is concerned. Andy, I'm going to wish you nothing but the best of luck this weekend. We'll look forward to catching up with you next week for our Sweet 16 preview here on the Against the Spread podcast. Until then, let's hope the ball bounces our way this weekend. I was going to say, let's hope all the buzzer beaters are for the right teams for us. I like we, that. <laughs> we, we love that part of the tournament, and uh, I'd rather ha- – I want to match the excitement with a winning basket. <laughs> I like that real well. Andy, be well. Have a good week. Thank you, bud. That was Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread for our podcast. And with that, we're going to stay in Las Vegas and bring our good friend Jim Feist on for a live segment. You follow Jim Feist on the show almost all season long throughout football, basketball, with his brilliant tips and observations and handicapping uh, analogies. We're going to bring Jim on live for the March Madness tournament. With that, and with that being the case... Let's dial in right now and visit with our good friend Jim Feist from Las Vegas. Jim, how's everything going for you in Sin City? Well, I'm doing pretty well, Mark. Uh, as, as I was talking before, uh, health 20 years ago was excellent. Now it's we're in the maintaining stage. <laughs> You're talking to the choir, Jim. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> well, you look terrific. I have to say that you look like uh, you you would give George Hamilton a run right now for that tan you've got going on. It looks like life is uh, treating you well, 
And I know Roz is treating you well, so everybody's doing a good job that way for you. And I'm glad to hear that. And I'm glad to hear yeah, your health. I'm, I'm a lucky guy. I don't yes, know where we're getting the sunshine, though. We've had two weeks of nothing but wind, rain. Andy knows that. He, he lives out here, too. And rain and snow in the backyard a couple times. It's, Thank you, California. And, <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Well, Jimmy, I'm like I'm really just thrilled to have you on the show here. You've been doing some great work with us here with Thank your you. uh, your complimentary videos each and every week. Great handicapping tips and information, selection plays and everything. But now we're doing it live because it's March Madness tournament time and what a time of the year it is. You and I talked earlier on in the day this day today talking a little bit about what we're going to be what we're going to be talking on the show about here. And one of the uh, subjects that come up in our conversation was the dogs. What's happened to the dogs and the line value that we used to see in this March Madness tournament when it came to handicapping this tournament and looking for those live dogs? My question to you, Jim, is are there still any live dogs to be found on this well, year's NCAA card? Of course there are. Uh, the problem is we're not getting the value that we should be getting. And the reason for that is the media. And all the young kids that are coming. Now, we're, we've all been around this game a long time. Now we have a lot of very young journalistic types coming into the, into the industry, uh, men and women. Since it's been legalized, a lot of young people coming into the business that would never get into the business before because their mothers and fathers would tell them, you can't go into that business, it's not legal, and... You know, you're dealing with back backyard bookies and backroom bookies and stuff. Now it's now it's legal. The states have legalized it, so the kids come out of college, and this is a good industry to get into. And you can make a lot of money. You work for FanDuel, DraftKings, some some of the major places here in Vegas, uh, and it's it's a good industry. And and I'm happy for that because I was there when it wasn't. And it, but you know what? It was easier to make money betting then because exactly the point you just went to. When you could see a, a game like Hofstra against Rutgers, you know, a small conference versus a bigger one. When you can see a, a, a Memphis, how could you ever dream of betting against Memphis getting one point when you see the competition they play versus the competition of their opponent? I'm not saying it's a bad bet. I'm just saying you're not getting the value. Yes, you can upset the team, but you're not going to cover many spreads if you're only taking plus one. So, Jimmy, this question then, uh, perfect segue to this question I wanted to ask you. What is more important to you, a good handicap or good value? Value. I agree. I agree. 100%. You can handicap to the cows come home, but if you don't have value to your play, it doesn't mean anything. Well, the cows don't come home then. That's yes, the they don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you know, we can analyze the games. We can go to the databases. We can go to uh, all the analytics and everything else. It comes head-to-head. -head. Coaching is, is important, especially in these things when they have to prepare us on such short notice against teams that they're not familiar with. So coaching is very important. But if you're not getting the value, if you're taking two, like, for example, there's a game, uh, Central Florida against Florida. I took four and a half. I can't tell anybody to bet it now because it's only two. 
a lot of money. Somebody moved a lot of money. It wasn't me. I didn't do it all. I had some. <laughs> some I took it from four and a half to two. That's a lot of money going on that one side on a small school. But I think it's the right side. Would I take two? No, I would not take the two. Even though my handicap says they could win the game, I still wouldn't do it because I'm not getting the value. Okay. The other back end of that question, Jim, is this. And I feel like I'm I'm doing a nice live seminar here with Jim Feist, a handicapping legend in Las Vegas, and I really, really enjoy having him on the show here today. Thanks. So I've often been told, and I 100% agree, that you don't argue with the odds maker. The odds maker knows what he's doing. He sets lines. That's what he does for a living. And you have it's your job then to handicap the line that he sets. Okay. So in your case with Central Florida today. Is, was it value to you because you saw the four and a half and now it's two, the value's gone? Or going in before you even saw the line, would you have wanted to make a play on uh, Central Florida and let the odds maker set the line? I'm not sure I understand the direction of, the con of that question, but let me, I make a number before the game ever comes out. So Central Florida's it's an in-state deal. You got the small school against the bigger school. Of course, the small school would like to kick the bigger school's ass, you know, because they, they get all the ink and everything. But you got the small conference versus the, the big conference, which we know that doesn't work out very well over a long period of time. So when I saw four and a half and I only made the game two or one and a half or two, I had some value and I think they can win the game straight up. But when you're giving up a bucket or a bucket and a half, I, I can't recommend that to anybody. I see Andy is asking to ask a question. Yeah, it's sort of along the same lines, and that is you were able to get plus four and a half. Line went down to two. You you don't want to play it. You shouldn't play it at, at two or two and a half when you could have had even three or three and a half. What about considering a partial play on the money line rather than getting the plus two since the good handicapping number has gone? Well, I'm still not getting the right price on the money line because it's moved down. So that's another consideration. What I do mostly in, in, in not only in, in basketball, but in football, I don't lay one, one and a half, two, two and a half. I don't do that. If I like a team that's a favorite, and I only just, we're talking about just favorites. If I like a team that's a favorite by those numbers, even up to three, I will lay the money line. I don't lay the points. On the dog side, I want to get as many points as I can get. Because the game is close, I can still win the bet. For example, last night I had Pittsburgh against Mississippi State. I took the two and a half. I actually won the game straight up. But I didn't need to win the game straight up. And I did not bet the money line. I only took the two and a half. So there is no two and a half point favorite in Jim Feist's world. There's a money line price on that game, okay? <laughs> and I well, like that. I like that advice. All right. you all you have to do is win the game. Uh, Victor, with Jim, any any question you might want to go to a, go to a, a, another scenario. We're yes. talking about winning. I'm not talking about handicapping. I'm I'm talking about winning. I I've been in the sports pit business for a long time, as you all know. But right now, I'm 99% a better. I, I bet money, reasonable amounts of money, to, to try to win 
that that thing is not going to stop. I know it's not, but I'll try. The um, bottom line is, when you see a game where the line gets out of whack, like for example, last night Liberty opened one. I didn't like Liberty being favored over Villanova because the, they're bigger players, they're stronger players, they're faster players, they're a deeper bench. They've, you know, you got all the wrong things going free. I thought they should be an underdog. But it was at Liberty. This is an NIT game, of course, we're talking about. But the line went from one to four on Liberty. Why? Because half the team was out for Villanova. Announcement came out that four players were out for Villanova. You can't take four players, especially starters, off the floor. <laughs> so I had I had Liberty on the money line at a cheaper than four number, but but that coincides with the movement. But that, that's just to go back to what we were talking about. Victor, like I mentioned, we have Jim Feist joining us here on the show today, which we're thrilled about doing. Any question you want to run by Jim? if not about this March Madness tournament card, about anything in handicapping particularly? I don't have a question for Jim. I'm actually a little bit uh, awestruck, a little bit uh, tongue-tied. You know, guys, I I was a better in the 80s and the 90s, and I always followed the Mark Lawrences and the Jim Feists of the world. And then back in the summer of 2000, uh, Mark decided to give a guy a chance in the sports handicapping field that would be myself. I've been with Playbook now for 23 years, and I thank uh-huh. Mark uh, so much for that opportunity. Uh, okay. wh- what I do want to say is that there is already, guys, a sports betting Hall of Fame, but it's primarily sports book operators, sports book CEOs, sports book owners. And a few politicians, guys like Chris Christie and uh, Raymond Lesniak, the New Jersey former state senator who right. brought brought all this together here right. about right. six or seven years ago. But what we definitely need, guys, is some sort of a uh, sports handicapper hall of fame. And if that is would truly be the case, look at the company I'm with, my mentor, Mark Lawrence, and Jim Feist would be automatic first ballot uh, entries in a sports betting hall of fame. I got a Vegas sharpshooter, Andy Isco, next to me, and I'm amongst these guys here, and I am just awestruck, but I'm just so happy to be able to talk to all you guys. Well, thank you for the kind words. Jimmy, I know you feel the same. I I would just add that not only should Mark and Jim be in the sports betting hall of fame, they'd be Two of the faces on the sports betting Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore, yeah. <laughs> well, that means I, that I, I'd like to add some people. You talk about something. Go back to the old days. Otis Goss, Gene oh, yeah. the the Bombsies from New York, Len I mean, Bankers, people, yes. You know, the Mort Olson. I mean, the, people that were in the business even before I got into the business, and um, it, we've had a great run. It's been for me. It's all. 54 years, I think, I've been doing this. Mark's the same. I know that. Uh, I have a question for you, Victor. And I don't know, this is Luke. You are famous for picking or betting totals. NFL predicted what I'm talking about. Your sheet, I've read it many, many times. Do you do the same thing with basketball, college, and pro? 
baseball, et cetera? Uh, thank you for asking. Uh, I handicap NFL totals and college totals. I do do NBA over-unders. I stay away from the college's over-unders until we get into tournament action. I'm a one-man uh, 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 service. Yeah. It's, it's tough enough keeping track of 30 teams in the NBA, let alone 360 teams in college basketball. And a famous guy told me way back in the early 2000s, find your lane and stay in your lane. And for me, that's over-unders. And again, college hoops, it's just way too much for this one guy to handle. Uh, one more thing, Jim, I do do um, uh, baseball over-unders as well, primarily home plate over under uh, umpire over under information because I truly believe that in no sport does the official, the referee, the umpire have more impact on totals than that guy behind the home plate in Major League Baseball. Wow, good point. Excellent. Thank you. We're visiting with Jim Feist from Las Vegas, legendary Jim Feist. And Jim, before we let you go on the show here today, you always share with our listeners out there a complimentary pick or a handicapping theory or thought. Anything you'd want to pass on to our viewers out there while you're on the show here today as we get ready for March Madness? Oh, boy. There's well, there's a couple things. Let's just uh, – in tomorrow's game, West Virginia is playing Maryland. And West Virginia opened a one-and-a-half-point favorite that's looking at West Virginia two or two-and-a-half right now. Now, under normal circumstances, if this was um, if this was a game at Maryland, well, first of all, West Virginia wouldn't be favored. But the way Maryland has played their road games this year, anything away from their home court has been atrocious. And you're coming from a West Virginia team who's played a, a little bit tougher schedule. Maybe some people would say a lot tougher schedule than Maryland. I'm looking at West Virginia in this game, and I did lay the, the uh, West Virginia money line when it opened. But now it's up to two, two and a half. I would say if you wanted to follow that, I would follow my advice and play the money line because it could very well be a tough game. Now, as an underdog, I could go to um, a game, Indiana against Kent State. Now, Kent State is a pretty damn good little team. They're physical. Uh, they can rough you up. They know how to play different styles. Indiana comes from a team, a, a league that has been a big disappointment in past years in these tournaments. Now, last night I lost with Toledo against Michigan. So I did not do well with that one. But I like Kent State to win this game. Now, I'm not telling you about Kent State on the money line because you're going to give up the and not taking the points. I would take Kent State plus the points. So that's one little favorite and one little dog. Victor King loves hearing that because Victor, as we talked earlier on the show, Jim, happens to have been an alum from Kent State. That was a school. Oh, how about that? There we go. A little bit of family business going on here right now. <laughs> We've got a hey, lot of Ohio connections on this right now. Yes, there are. Yes, there, we do. There sure are. Jimmy, I thoroughly enjoyed having you on the show here today. Let's get together and do it again. In fact, I'd like to make plans the next football season to have you on weekly live as opposed to doing your videos. But we love your videos. We love everything you do. It's all available at playbooksports.com for all of Jim Feist's selections and everything you do there. And just remember this. You can also visit him 
on uh, on your website, the URL, just type in pb.buzz, B-U-Z-Z forward slash J-F. That's pb.buzz forward slash J-F. It'll take you right to the Jim Feist page at playbooksports.com. Going to wish you nothing but the best of luck this weekend. As always, Jim, enjoy nothing but March Madness uh, as long as we've got it here from now until the championship game in April, and good luck this weekend. Thank you, and the same to all of you. Good seeing you all. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. That was Jim Feist joining us live from Las Vegas here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, guys. And before we put the final wraps on the show, I'm going to turn it around over to Victor here. I don't know if Victor has a complimentary total that he's looking at, whether it's NBA, college basketball, conference tournament. But I thought I'd run it by him just in case before we sign off. Victor, what's your thought that way? Uh, I do, Mark. In fact, I've got a couple of first-round totals I'm looking at before I get into my notes very, very quickly. Uh, of course, this baby came out last night. It's our March Madness Guide. You got to get it. We are already starting work on next week's publication, which is the Sweet 16 Tourney Guide, and that will be available next week as well. And finally, you know, Mark had me print something out uh, in regards to our Playbook Football Yearbook magazine. We're already working on that sucker, and Mark has got a potential mock-up for what looks to be our cover this year. Do you have it there, Victor? I do have it, Mark. Now, I don't know if this is a 100% done deal or Mark it is. is. Uh, it, is. it is. Well, then let's, let's take a look at what our yearbook is going to look like. And for us South Florida fans, I'm very, very excited. Not only that, Mark, but I think the color scheme kind of goes with my shirt a little bit. And there it is. Can you see it? There it is. Our playbook yearbook cover for 2023. It's got our boy Tyreek Hill on the cover. It's got the Miami Dolphin aqua and orange colors. And that is what our yearbook magazine is going to be looking like this fall. Mark, I think it's a great color choice. I think it's a great team choice. Do you have any comments before I get into my first round over under? All I can say, Victor, is it's 100% total South Beach for sure. Yeah, South yeah. Beach. There we go. <laughs> now, guys, first round totals. Let me just run through this really, really quickly. We're going to be looking to go over the total in the eight versus nine seed games. These first round games have gone 16 and five over under as of late. Number one seed games have gone two and ten over under in the last 12 first round games. The number one seeds holding strong, allowing only 59.3 points per game on defense. So we'll look to potentially go low, excuse me, in the Houston versus Northern Kentucky, Kansas versus Howard, Alabama versus Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, and Purdue against the Wither and the Texas Southern Fairleigh Dickinson game. Uh, number three seeds as single-digit favorites versus the number 14 seeds in the first round have gone 6-20 and 20 over under. Good under numbers in the last 20 years. Only one game this weekend, and that's Kansas State, is the only single-digit favorite number three seed, minus 8.5 against Montana State. We'll look to go low in that one. In those big-time number five versus number 12 seed games that we covered pretty extensively earlier in the podcast, 18 of the last 24, that's 18 and six, have gone over the total, 75% over the total. I would rate those 
in this order in terms of overs, and they went three and one over under last year as well. Miami versus Drake, then St. Mary's against VCU, then Duke versus Oral Roberts, and finally San Diego State versus the College of Charleston. Although that's the only one of those four games that I will not be betting the over. No way. The only game in which I will be passing on the over. And then finally, in terms of an actual over-under selection, guys, I'm looking at the uh, Thursday night game between Auburn and Iowa over the total. It is one of those number eight versus nine seed games. I like the way both offenses are playing. They've gone again, the eight versus nine, 16 and five, last 21 matchups. will be going over the total on Thursday night in the Auburn versus Iowa, Big Ten versus SEC game. And again, thank you very much, guys, for this week's podcast. Well, that must be Iowa basketball, Victor. It's not Iowa football to go over a total. Because there you go, right. <laughs> this basketball team is totally different. Right. If it was football, we'd be going under. That's for sure. That's for sure. Thank you, Victor. Uh, great observations on your part with some total plays for this particular weekend. That's going to put the final wraps in this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, our March Madness Tournament edition. We'll be back next week with our Sweet 16 tournament show. Until then, I want to thank our good friend Andy Isco joining us from Las Vegas with the Vegas Vibe. Victor King from King Creole Sports for all of his great handicapping insight. And our good friend Jim Feist joining us from Las Vegas as well. Until then, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always to remember to bet with your head, not over it. And good luck as always.